0: He's, he should be in the conversation for what SEC player of the year. I mean, it's it's really clear now the guy's on a heater and we need that to continue. But I thought that was awesome. And then the other thing I was going to say about connect, uh, at least in past tense, was I was watching highlights on Peacock the other night uh, and it was after the Tennessee, Florida game and their studio analysts, which included Josh Passner and I think Jordan Cornette they did the same thing we had done before they started drawing an analogy of connect with another uh, nba player a former nba player and um (laughs) i hadn't heard this one but uh it kind of fell in line with all the stuff we were having a little bit of a laugh about they they drew a parallel with dalton connect and keith van horn um which never never thought of that one, to be honest with you. But um, again, it just kind of cracks me up. Some of the comparisons that have come up. Some have been good. Some have been kind of head scratchers, but I'm excited to see Dalton play this weekend. You're right. There's a ton for us to talk about. That's why we felt it was important to get on today and talk for a little bit. And we also have Rick Butler joining us a little later from Rocky Top Insider. But I'd say between Tennessee, Alabama and NFL playoffs, man, that's a lot. And then the coaching carousel starting to speed up it sounds like at least from the standpoint of interviews and discussions and your titans john what it sounds like you guys might have a target
1: i don't know i haven't really been paying attention to the titans coaching search because chances are that no matter whoever gets hired for the titans people are going to be upset with uh you know i think I think the Texans offensive coordinator, people would look at as a home run and that almost everyone else would feel like a, a swing, not a swing and a miss necessarily, but just a, an unproven commodity that people would be a little skeptical of, even though the Texans coordinator, of course, also unproven. Going back to Keith Van Horn, all I remember about him was the high socks. I don't don't much remember his game. That was a little bit before I was a sophisticated enough basketball fan. But uh, it's funny you mentioned that because our friend Stats by Will, me and him are talking, and he plugged in just kind of Dalton connects uh, his his stats. His efficiency and all that and, and, and his age and everything and then it spit out some Some comps and and one that we haven't mentioned yet, which is funny because it's another white basketball player But the more I think about it the more I think it lines up pretty well was Doug McDermott Because Doug could shoot Doug could get to the rim. Doug was older. I kind of like the Doug McDermott comparison as well
0: That's actually pretty interesting. Um I didn't see the Keith Van Horn one at all. Um, you know, cause I'll help you out on that. He, he was, a, he was an effective NBA player, but he was bigger. Um, you know, he was like six nine, six ten, as I recall. And, um, yeah, I had a pretty good outside shot. It was more of a slasher type, but you're right about the socks. That's what I remember too. It was kind of like the, uh, uh, the old school mailman look sometimes with the socks, particularly when they would go with their all dark unis. But, uh, That's pretty interesting with McDermott. I like that because it is, you know, what we've seen, particularly in SEC play, is uh, Connects shooting is pretty elite at this point. From a, you know, certainly from range, the guy's averaging almost sixty percent from three point range so far in SEC play. Um, So it's man, it's fun to have a guy that we can actually talk about. That's like. Lighting it up on offense. We've always had guys with Tennessee that we could talk about how, hey, man, they get after it on defense and, you know, brim protector. Sometimes we hear that and everything else, but it's just nice to be able to have a guy that really excited. You know, it's like it, it, tomorrow going into Alabama. It makes me feel a little bit, a little bit like you probably felt as an Alabama fan last year when you were going into games with a, with an offensive threat like uh Uh, I was going to say weapon, but I'm not going to offensive threat like Brandon Miller.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he has the same level of athleticism and obviously Miller was uh, much bigger, but the point is connect has, you know, earned these comps and, you know, he's getting compared to some of the best college basketball players especially white ones (laughs) he's getting compared to the best basketball college basketball players uh, that that you know have been the last you know 20 years or so so his streak has been really impressive to watch I thought he was awesome against Florida it may be the best testament to him or maybe not the best but one that I found myself thinking that I kind of had to stop and stop and uh you know give appreciation to was i felt like in the second half it was disappointing you know he had i believe what 24 points at halftime and you know i'm, I'm hoping he gets to 40 and i'm, I'm watching the first, first of all first i'm hoping he gets to you know the the 90 points to pass chris lofton then you're kind of hoping he gets to 100 points to have a, a round number but i'm watching the second half and he comes out and he's missing a couple shots and i'm like ah man He's really struggling, and then you look up and you're like, wait, never mind. He had 15 second-half points as well, and 11 points, you know, whenever I kind of realized that he was struggling, but he still ended up 30, 39. And to go out there and just get an easy 15 second-half points and to feel like he's not actually taking over the game, I felt like was a, a pretty big testament just to how easy him scoring is for him right now. We talked about Doug McDermott, Bob. But I think if I remember correctly, Doug was kind of a like number fifteen, number sixteen draft pick. Maybe you can look it up to see what number he actually came to. But I was getting a, I was looking around at mock drafts, and you know now pretty much everyone has him as a first round pick. Bleacher Report was the lowest that had him at number thirty to the Celtics, but three or four other ones had him going in that you know 14, 15, 16 range. So he is definitely rising on
0: draft boards after this last week. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And I think that the other thing too, we, we, we started to talk about this the other day, but of course nobody could hear us except us because of the situation with spaces. But I think it still is fresh enough to talk about for a minute. And that was the question you posed. Um, McDermott, by the way, was the 11th overall pick in the 2014 okay. draft. Um, but uh, is talking about Dalton Connect is I think you posed two questions. One was, is he the is he so far the top player out of the transfer portal this season in college basketball? And then I think you went even so far as to say, is he the best player to come out in the transfer portal era, which I think might be, that's probably a bit of a reach, but I, I think for sure, when we're talking about this season, um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's very legitimate to discuss because I think everybody was so hyped on Hunter Dickinson and he's doing well, but, uh, when you think about the impact he's had on his respective team, I think what connect has done for Tennessee is it's, it's top of the list in my opinion yeah i mean I, I didn't go back and you know look up the
1: entire transfer portal era to see you know who the best player has been but yeah this season dickinson got the headlines of course you know going from michigan to kansas but you, you talk about what connect has done he's pretty much built he, he pretty much has single-handedly turned tennessee into a top 25 offense and you look at the last couple of years uh, the Rick Barnes offenses and the way they kind of plotted along. And, you know, they'd be around the 50 range in terms of Kim Pom offensive efficiency. Meanwhile, the defense would be number one, number two, number three, somewhere around there. But you look at this team and this iteration of Tennessee still holding on to that number two defensive spot. You know, they're still kind of have that identity of being the the big orange boa constrictor where they kind of just strangle you out on defense. It hasn't been as as uh, consistent this year defensively you know in stretches you've still seen it like going towards the end of the the Georgia game you know those last four minutes where the defense is really clamped down and Jonas is blocking everything and and you know the ball pressure is keeping them from even getting shots off on some possessions but the defense has stayed pretty consistent number two according to the adjusted efficiency meanwhile the offense is all the way up to number 21 which is in that range where you can win a national championship. I think you have to basically be in the top twenty-five offense to to be a national championship contender. Um, and Tennessee is on that on that list now, and, and they have a top-five uh, top-five defense to go along with it. So that puts them in the teams that can legitimately win. Now you could still be a Tennessee fan and and be skeptical, and you could still see some of the scoring droughts. And you could still, you know, worry that that's going to rear its head in March. And, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily argue with you because at some points in games, it has gotten ugly. There have been four-minute stretches still where the team looks completely lost. However, like, unlike past years, this team does have a difference maker. This team does have one of the best scores in the country, if not the best score in the country. And they still have a play that can get open looks. And that's just putting him at the top and getting him a high screen from Jonas. And just letting him either go downhill, shoot behind it, or or drop off a good pass and, you know, kind of create an opportunity for his teammates to play four on three. Tennessee hasn't had that in a long, long, long time. They maybe have never had that since I've been watching Tennessee basketball. So that's something to to celebrate, even though you might be scared that it might not, you know, be enough in March.
2: Yeah,
0: I think that – you you bring up a really good point. I would say we have definitely not had that in the Rick Barnes era because what we're seeing now is Barnes is actually deferential. Um, you know, in terms of he's 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 given he's given Dalton a long leash. You can see it, which is a bit out of character for for Coach Barnes, but uh, you know. He, he's recognizing talent and he recognizes the difference that he's making in this team offensively. Like you said, John, we, it's a whole different dimension now. This is like a, a team that, that, you know, is going to have moments where it still hits the wall. But overall, um, it, it's a team that I, we have a lot more confidence in offensively because they can, they've proven they can deliver with a couple of different options. You know, you mentioned Jonas. J-
1: I don't know exactly what happened there. I was, I guess I shouldn't be scrolling on my phone while trying to do that since it's lost on my phone. Apologies to Bob. I didn't mean to uh, have that happen, but I was trying to maneuver and look at something and I left the spaces feed and it just completely cut off. So I'll take the blame on that, Bob. My bad. That's what. Um... You're talking about Jonas and uh, him kind of adding a scoring punch.
0: Yeah, that, that was my question to you. Is like, I, I guess at this point, you know, going into maybe last week, it was, uh, you know, we talked about obviously Connect, but then we talked about Zakai. But then the other night, it was really, and Zakai still providing value in other ways, but all of a sudden, Jonas has become a relatively consistent force in terms of offense. So, um, I mean, if, you know, that's the thing, we, you know, we, we beat up the whole situation. We saw it again on Tuesday night with, uh, Vescovy and Josiah. We need more from them. We, we've talked about that. Um, Tennessee really needs more from them, but the truth is, um, you know, the good news is I should say that we're getting, uh, pretty consistent production from both Jonas and, and Zakai. maybe not so many points against Florida, but other ways he was delivering and, and that's, uh. You would hope that's going to continue to happen more and more as more, you know, attention gets focused on connect from team defenses.
1: Well, you know, we we talk about the suit, the seniors, the super seniors, and and you're talking about Josiah. We're talking about Vescovy and, you know, they combined for five points on on Tuesday against Florida and they were outscored by Estrella. Estrella came in and had seven points in nine minutes outscoring both of those, both of those guys. But at this point, is it is it time just to kind of move on from the expectation that they are going to be those guys and just kind of embrace that maybe the the big three, if you will, is actually just Dalton Connect, Zakai, and Jonas, and that they're the three best players on the team. And it's time to quit thinking of Vescovy and, you know, Josiah as number two and number three.
0: I think so. I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, you're right. We're starting to get to, uh, well, it's early conference season, but we're getting towards mid season, if you will. And, and overall, and, uh, hopefully those guys are going to pick up the pace when it gets to the most important time of year. But, uh, in the meantime, let's keep developing what we have. And you brought up Estrella, which I think was a, was a great development in terms of just seeing him get meaningful minutes and, um, It didn't seem like the stage was too big for him maybe physically it still is a little bit but um he seemed like he was ready to play out there uh even barnes had said that like seemed like he was ready for the moment so um you know i think that uh that's that's pretty exciting to see and and something you and i have talked about we've seen the minute race that's happening between uh and de um start to get closer and closer to even. Um, It sure was in the Florida game. It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow against Alabama.
1: Yeah, it's been disappointing. And, you know, so much about this team has a chance to be disappointing. And, like, Rick Barnes really should be very thankful that he did find Dalton Connect and that Dalton Connect trusted him and that Dalton Connect loves Kevin Durant. And that Dalton Connect wants to come here and learn defense, and you know be a be the go-to offensive scorer because he does cover up a lot of a lot of disappointments on this team. Like imagine Bob, what the conversation would be like if you didn't have Dalton Connect scoring thirty points a game. You'd be looking <laughs> at Vescovy and James, and you're getting much much more venom than they're getting. Like they wouldn't just kind of be thought of as ah well, they need to get it together. It's oh my god, they're ruining the season. Look at these bums. And then you'd look at someone like Freddie DeLeon, who who everyone was really excited for, you know, coming when 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 he came to Tennessee last year at the halfway point, and they chose to not play him, and you know, then he went and played in the U nineteen, and you're, you're you're excited about him, and he's been you know lost for most of the season, and you know I know he played six minutes on on Tuesday, and it was basically even with Ganey, who only played nine. He had one really great pass but otherwise he just kind of looked lost out there at times and that's been really disappointing so shout out to Dalton connect for covering up some of these warts
0: yeah no doubt about it um as we look ahead to, to alabama and again we got uh we'll be hearing from rick butler here shortly in about five six minutes uh to hear the rocky top insider take on it too but um as we look ahead to alabama obviously a team that is hitting a the stride. They've won six in a row. Um, number seven in Ken Palm, most importantly, uh, top team in terms of offensive efficiency, uh, in Ken Palm. Um, we know a lot about them. Mark Sears is someone who gets included probably along with, well, certainly along with connect at this point and maybe Wade Taylor for, uh, early conversation when you think of sec player of the year um i think Sears leads the conference and scoring at the moment um <clears throat> they obviously love the three that's been their game plan under Nate Oats forever nobody shoots more and as a result makes more three-pointers in conference play than than alabama does right now um it's kind of feast or famine for them it's either the three-pointer or it's underneath the bucket they don't do much mid-range but um this game means it's always meant a lot heading into the season. This one now for a lot of reasons means so much. And, um, and I just can't help myself. I respect his coaching capabilities, but I'm not a Nate fan. Um, just, we saw it again the other night in that game against Missouri, his, uh, his level of douchiness is just more than I can take to be honest with you. So this game as a fan matters a lot to me tomorrow.
1: Yeah, no, it it, it 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 was surprising that the SEC was just like, okay, here's your punishment. You're reprimanded. Yeah, yeah, you pushed a player, and yeah, if a player had pushed a coach, he's probably getting suspended. But no, no, you're reprimanded. We're disappointed in you. Seemed kind of crazy because I did think it, it could have warranted a suspension just because of the optics of it, but credit to the player, I guess, for for allowing himself to get pushed and not really doing anything about it because I think it's a different conversation if Nate Oates pushes that player, that player runs back into the pile, or you know, a, a Missouri coach runs down there and it really escalates. But I was having a discussion with some of my friends about Tennessee basketball and their rivals, and – a couple of them thought that at this point they want to beat Alabama and NATO it's even more than they want to beat Kentucky that they hate this Alabama program even more than they hate Kentucky right now under coach Cal. Maybe it's because Alabama has felt like more of a threat recently and how Kentucky, you know, has, has taken a couple steps back in terms of national perception. But I also think a lot of it is like, Hey, coach Cal is what he is. And, you know, we, we hate him because he's at Kentucky and yeah, he's a, uh, He seems kind of slimy, but at least he's earned it. And at least like, you know, I think a lot of people think Coach Cal's probably a good person when it comes to off the court. But with Nate Oates, like he just kind of seems like a sleazeball. He just seems unlikable. And like a lot of it is unearned. And I think a lot of people just hate him so much that they now view this Alabama game as bigger than Kentucky.
0: I don't disagree it's funny you say that because cal as much as i maybe haven't liked him in the past he's kind of grown on me the more i've learned about him and um i, I just think that happens too when some of these guys mature and, and alabama and their success is more shiny and new in the sec it's only been the last few years and it's been attributable to you know it correlates with oats joining on as the head coach um So I, I, I totally feel that way at this point, Alabama is the, the game I'm, as a fan, I am most interested in seeing Tennessee go out and do their business against, you know, they play Kentucky twice. I always expect against Kentucky, a split is success. You know, if they can sweep them, that's even better, but that's just the way it goes. And some of that's out of respect for Kentucky as a program. Alabama, it's hard for me to, you know, it, obviously good team had some success recently, but it's, it, it matters to me a lot for those same reasons your friends were saying with you when you guys were talking about it. I, I totally want this game to, to swing you know, in the ball's favor tomorrow. A uh, little bias. Now, when I went to Lexington, I dealt with a lot of, of,
1: of jerks, a lot of jerks in Lexington last year. So. I do still hate them. I don't want to act like I don't want to beat Kentucky. They're still scum, and I still hate their fans. But Nate Oates, the, the hate for him is just different than, than the hate I've ever had for Coach Calipari. I've always kind of liked him and always kind of respected him. And uh, Nate Oates, uh, I don't really respect at all. Yeah, it's cool. Modern offense, spread them out, shoot threes. I get that. But everything else about him is just kind of despicable. I don't, I don't know how other coaches would have reacted, but I find it hard to believe they would have handled the, the Brandon Miller murder thing, eh, worse than he did. You know, I, I think he handled it about as badly as you could, and then now you combine it just with just with the, the way he acts like on the court antics wise too, and he's just a double whammy of just like you said douchiness. It's a perfect word to describe him, Just, just douchiness
0: the only time i can say that i was a fan of nate oats and it was fleeting and it was for literally about 30 seconds was when i think it was in the sec tournament a couple of seasons ago when they beat lsu and um you could see oats on camera at the end of the game you could read his lips saying he was kind of pointing to lsu and to will wade who was right up there in terms of hateability. and oats if you read his lips was like you know he kind of point his finger and swung it and said, you know, get the F out, you know, over to LSU's bench. And that was, for a split second, I was like, yeah, good for you, man, because at that point, I couldn't stand LSU and Will Wade. But um, but yeah, I think that uh, overall, um, it's going to be loud in that arena tomorrow, because uh, I think there's a lot of people feeling the same way we do when, when it comes to Alabama and Nate Oates at this moment. You're going to be in the building? I'm intending to, Um, you know, I I, got, man, I, I've been out doing a little bit in this weather, but I got to get out. This is, uh, I didn't go to Florida the other night because, you know, just wasn't willing to, to, you know, test the weather conditions, but tomorrow it's in the afternoon. I don't have an excuse. I'm going to be there. Yeah. I made plans to go down to Atlanta. Like I said, to see my, my best buddy.
1: And I think we're going to go watch some wrestling tonight if I can get down there. So I would not be in Thompson Bowling but it should be a good atmosphere it should be a hostile environment at least i hope so i've had pretty good luck pretty good success in terms of predicting these these gambling lines in this game but i'm kind of struggling to think about what tennessee and alabama's line will be at if i guess if i'm guessing i'll say like three and a half maybe four let me go ahead and go on record i think it'll be minus four and a half bob four and a half okay Okay. four and a half tennessee four and a half point favorites the home court advantage matters but the uh the Kempom, you know the metric rating and all that you know the alabama and tennessee are pretty much right next to each other all right let's bring on rick butler rocky top insider formerly here of fan run radio uh rick heard me talking about wrestling and came running what's up rick
2: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hope you guys are doing well. That is exactly uh, the case, indeed. I think you just uh, you just read that like a book. What are you going to be going to see tonight, and, and or I guess potentially see, and then also Smack where down. is that?
1: Yeah, SmackDown in Atlanta. I'm going to go acknowledge my tribal chief.
2: Oh, as you should.
1: Yeah, contract signing and all of that down in Atlanta. So that, that's the plan right now, at least. Oh, oh tickets have been expensive. Yeah, you know, resale like nothing's really nothing's really uh, very affordable right now. But we'll talk about wrestling later. Uh, Rick, we've been talking Tennessee basketball. We've discussed a couple things. Dalton yeah. connects as Doug McDermott. Tennessee <laughs> fans and their hatred for Alabama. I was saying that some of my friends view this as a bigger game than Kentucky. And, uh, you know, Bob was talking about the struggles of of Josiah and Vescovy. Where do you want to start?
2: Um, I'd like to just start with Dalton. I-, I think just like you were referring to there, kind of starting at the top of the ladder, you know, the, the guy has been tremendous for Tennessee and has been a big reason for, you know, obviously all the late success. So I think you start there and then, uh, then you work your way around it afterwards.
1: I think he is the best transfer unless I'm missing someone big. I I think he's the best transfer in the portal era when it comes to basketball. You know, I think he has covered so many warts up for this Tennessee team and he has kind of single-handedly built them a top 25 offense. Yeah. I, I, Can I? um, Oh, go ahead, Bob. Can
0: I interject real quick? The 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 only and and uh, John, by and large, I would agree with you. The only one that I would say, unfortunately, you know, uh, the proof is there was Oscar Sheebay wins National Player of the Year, and then immediately, in my opinion, was largely responsible for setting Kentucky back the following couple of seasons. But okay, yeah, okay, okay, that's that's that. That's the only other one I see, though. I, I think that's it. And, um, again, I I don't think it's crazy to think Dalton couldn't be in that kind of conversation going into this season the way it's continuing. So how far did
1: Oscar Cibley ever get in the tournament? I mean, I, they max out the Sweet 16. I know he didn't make a Final Four. So what's the uh, the bar there? So National Player of the Year, yeah, that's a uh, big mark. That's a big mark. But I, I don't know if he was ever actually as good and impactful as the statistics kind of showed when you watched Kentucky and how how much he just didn't play defense and kind of was a um I don't want to say a stat merchant but I don't know <laughs> yeah. some of those rebounds yeah. were just uh, off his missed
2: shots you know I think what, what to go along with what you guys are talking about right there you know obviously I Oscar Sheway was a couple years ago and and but I think that Don connect really changes this Tennessee team more than maybe Toshiboy was changing that Kentucky game. You look back at it just a couple months ago or whenever Dalton Connect was brought into Tennessee and it's like, hey, this guy was brought in for a specific reason. It wasn't like, hey, he's a good guy we can develop down the road. He's got this little X factor and that little X factor and we think we can bring those together. Don Connect was brought to Tennessee to be an elite scorer and to be sort of that offensive answer that they're looking for, along with eventually what Jordan Ganey would be brought in as well to do. You look at those first couple games, I think he hit double-digit points in like, Eight straight games to start out his career at Tennessee. The 37-point game against North Carolina was included. The what was it, 24-point game against Wisconsin was included. That was all a terrific start. And I think that was really his coming out party. But at the end of the day, it's hard to keep a six foot six secret, right? So teams started to kind of figure out that, hey, This is Tennessee's main option. This is their best option. This is their new go-to option. So I think teams started to scheme and game plan for Dalton a little bit differently sort of towards the middle stretch of the season, sort of towards that middle of December mark and onward. Then you go back to about five games ago, and I think that game against Norfolk State, right after the time off for Christmas, I think that's when he was really able to start having things click for him. You have a big game against Norfolk State, 15 points, score eight points against Ole Miss and what it was an SEC opening blowout, but then you get to this latest stretch of games, and kind of what this latest stretch of games has taught me at least is that this is a time where, again, you can't keep a secret like Dalton Connect. So teams are going to be game planning for him. Teams are going to be scheming for him. But now you're starting to see, in my opinion, Dalton Connect that can understand that game plan, that they can understand teams are scheming against him, figure that out in the first couple minutes of the game, analyze it, process it, and then go ahead and make his adjustments to be able to score the ball again. To me, that's why you have a big second-half performance against Mississippi State. That's why you have a great just full-game performance against both Georgia and Florida, was because you're understanding what the defense is giving to you in the first couple of minutes, understanding what they're going to take away, and then making the adjustments that you need to because Dalton Connect, in this case, is the better comparative player. So I've been tremendously impressed with what he's been able to do. And obviously, like you guys know, uh, this is kind of the catalyst to the entire Tennessee basketball season.
1: Well, I'll also give Zakai and Jonas credit for helping open things up for Dalton just because Zakai being able to, to handle the ball and create, and Jonas being able to finish. I don't want to say he's automatic within eight feet, but he's got really nice touch, can hit the mid range jumper and set some pretty good screens. Like, I think both of those have helped unlock, unlock, connect, and uh, SEC play. You talk about changing the trajectory of the team. You talk about changing the offense and everything. Bob, Tennessee played in 36 games last year. They had 36 games. How many po- How many times last year do you think they scored 80 points or more in 36 tries?
0: Let's say
1: four. Okay, well, you undershot it there. Um, you're going to make the stat not seem as cool because they did it nine <laughs> times. Nine times in 36 games including their bought time. So roughly 20 or exactly 25% of their games, they scored 80 points. So far in 17 (laughs) games this year, they've hit the 80 plus mark already 10 times against a tougher schedule. You know, uh, one of the toughest schedules in the country. 10 times in 17 games.
0: Yeah, Steve, though, that's... There you go. That that alone, it it speaks to the optics. You know what I mean? It's like, because... I I was one to think that last year, even getting to the Sweet 16, that was a that was a tough team to watch often, and so that's why I came up with that kind of number. I mean, I'm I'm actually surprised to hear that it was even nine times. Yeah, I'd like to see who um, they were against and
1: how many of them were against yeah. like bought opponents early in the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's a that's a really interesting stat. Um, hey, Rick, the. The, the question I would have for you is, as much as you can see or hear, um, the it, it feels like I was watching, they, they had a great shot, like a replay shot late in the game the other night when Connect was, obviously, he was cooking all game, but he was really, uh, you know, there was that race to potentially getting 40 points, et cetera. and. There was a shot from the sidelines where you could see guys on the bench and Jonas was on the bench at the time where those teammates were, they were so like engaged and cheering him on to continue to build on his number. And so my question is, from your perspective, you cover the beat regularly um, and you're covering this team regularly. It feels like there's, there's genuine, you know, I know some people were concerned earlier in the season saying, you know, maybe Veskovic had some problems with you know connect getting all the shots et cetera. that seems to have subsided if it was if it was real at all but my question to you is is what when i see those little snapshots of the team is that the vibe you're getting that that there's no there's no discord right i mean this team is they they they're still they remain tight even though Dalton is their guy <laughs> he has taken shots taken a lot of yeah. shots but you know getting results but do you feel like um what do you feel like in terms of the cohesion of that team i
2: i think it's a cohesive team you know you talk about and even going back to kind of john's rundown a couple minutes ago you talk about uh josiah jordan james you talk about santiago vescovy rick barnes said about both of those guys hey those guys just want to win you know they've been in college long enough they've they've lost in the sec tournament they've lost in the ncaa tournament they understand what that's like but they don't necessarily understand what it's like to get past the sweet 16 or or to potentially win an SEC championship wherever that might come. So I I think for those guys, it's about, Hey, yeah, they understand that there's a new guy coming into town he's got the spotlights and he's got the majority of the shots. But also, that's kind of their best chance to win right now. And, and ultimately, for a shooter on the court, the best way to show that, that you can be part of that conversation, you can steal some of those shots, is if yours are going in. Both of those guys have had a little bit of a tougher stretch getting the ball into the basket over the last couple weeks. So I think that they're okay with that. But Dalton, as far as Dalton Connect goes, I, I do think that he's a very cohesive piece on this team. I don't think he's the type of personality that's going to be loud and bolsterous and maybe start to annoy people or, or turn people off or push them in the wrong direction. He's a quiet and confident guy who can have a little bit of swagger to him. You know, him and Jabai Meshek are best friends on the team. I, I think it seems like that is certainly their guy on both of those sides. They play one-on-one basketball every day. He's got a list of video games that they play together every day. It definitely seems like Jemai Mayshak is his guy Uh, But it's also, you know, Dalton Connect seems like a fun guy on the court to play with. And I say that because for all the times that he might not be as loud and talkative off the court, I think he's definitely pretty talkative on the court. I do think that he's a guy who likes to chirp. I do think that when SEC competition, when guys tell him in the middle of the game, hey, this ain't Colorado anymore, that only gives him more fuel to go down the court and either drive it to the rack or pull back and step back and hit a three-pointer. I definitely think that he's a fun player to work with. I think he talks trash on the court. I think he likes to talk. He likes to run his mouth a little bit. But, hey, for for a guy like him, if that's what gets you juiced, then that's all great. That's kind of how you get in the zone. So I think he's, A, a cohesive piece to this team. I think also, B, he's probably a really fun player to play with just sort of when he gets that mentality or when he gets that look in his eye.
1: Okay, so Rick Butler is saying to add another player comp for uh, for Dalton Connect. We'll go with another white basketball player. He is like Billy Hoyle (laughs) from White Man Can't Jump. He likes to talk trash and it helps him get in the zone. So we'll add that. uh, We'll add Billy Hoyle to the list of comps. God, that's right.
0: it's a matter of time before <laughs> people start saying he looks—he looks like Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers. That'll be
1: the next. <laughs> no, no, Jimmy Chitwood. Uh, he had to play team ball. Jimmy Chitwood uh, doesn't have the same fire as uh, as Billy Hoyle. So <laughs> we're going with there. And also, Rick, I'll clean up one thing. I don't know if Rick said it or Rick. Did, did I say Barnes championship? Well, the I was championship thing. It. Yeah, I was going to say, those boys yeah. did win an SEC tournament. Yeah. I, I was there in Tampa, and I, you're not going to erase that from my memory. <laughs> I was there.
2: No, right when I said it, I was like, oh, wait, that didn't sound right coming off the tongue. Uh, so I'm glad that you corrected that. I, I did feel like after I said it, I was like, ah, it was one of those moments where I was like, ah, I don't know about that one. So, a regular
1: season championship. There, there they you go. A regular season that, title. That's
2: what I meant, of course. That's what I meant. You all knew it. <laughs> um,
0: hey, let's jump. To uh, football for a second, we've we've spent a lot of time on basketball and it's fun to do that. But we obviously have a lot still hanging in the balance football-wise in terms of transfer portal. There's been a lot of activity with guys leaving. Uh, we're hopeful that you know between Lance Heard and others, there may be some others coming in. Alabama's had a big migration of players leaving and. Uh, Short of the blocking tight end that Tennessee has pulled in, there's not a whole lot of other activity coming from Alabama, which I think has some fans a little frustrated because uh, some of the other schools are raking those uh, talented players in. Um, But I'd love to just get your take on what you're hearing in that space as it relates to Tennessee. Um, and then maybe elaborate. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk for a minute or two after uh, the, the article you posted yesterday regarding uh, Mincy already starting to, uh, you know, kind of uh, subtext wise, but talk a little bit of
2: uh, trash about Kentucky playing Tennessee next fall. Yeah, so on the transfer portal side of things and really sort of this exodus that the Nick Saban, the Kalen DeBoer news has created. Uh, it, it's kind of sort of continuing an unprecedented week in college football. I think when you when you lose Nick Saban from the sport, when a guy like Kellen DeBoer sort of moves from one side of the country to the other, there's obviously going to be massive ripaways everywhere. I think that Nick Saban's retirement is enough to create a good bit in the SEC. While Kellen DeBoer then leaving Washington creates one sort of up in the Northwest area. So I, I think that we're we're really just continuing an unprecedented week and in, in going into this this territory of. Alabama is just getting absolutely decimated by the transfer portal and that's something that that you've never seen before that's something that you don't talk about. That's something that when Alabama dominates it's sort of because they're using the transfer portal to their advantage. So this really is new ground and new territory for the Alabama Crimson Tide and especially the fan base as well. I saw one tweet yesterday and I actually did you know, there's a lot of fan accounts where I, I think we can all agree, you know, sometimes they get a little bit too over the top or sometimes it's a little too, a bit of an exaggeration. But this one I thought was really good. They simply went back and posted the the video of Alabama using Henry Toto as kind of the spokesperson for the Tennessee game in 2022, saying with the whole, you know, well, we're coming here, it's strictly business, all this kind of stuff. Was like hey you were directly using a transfer from their previous school to sort of set up and build the hype to the portal or excuse me to that game so I, I, I did actually think that that was a pretty good reference of hey this has been the game the whole time you know it sure it's evolved a little bit year over year but this has been the game this is the nitty-gritty of the game you're just now on the losing side of it for the first time in a, in a long time for the first time in ever actually so I did think that that was a pretty good way of, of justifying that, but I don't know what this is going to look like. You know, I believe a record number twenty-five players from the Alabama program have left the uh, have left the program since the end of the regular season, and that's a crazy number. And I know that Tennessee fans would would like for Josh Heupel and the Tennessee coaching staff to maybe go after and chase a lot more of those guys. There there are some really good prospects out there from the Alabama team. I don't know how much they are going after those things. I would also like to see. Uh, 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 a really strong effort from Tennessee to go after the, some of those guys, but I don't know what's going to look like. We're just going to have to continue to wait and see. as there's a bunch of names in the portal right now uh, that are really that are really talented names here? Kind of this late in January so far, and then on the Mincy thing, <laughs> that 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 very much struck me yesterday as. Just a, a guy who was who had some pent-up front frustration from a different event. I guess it was the event going back about seven days ago where he committed to Kentucky. Uh he he he's almost collecting SEC stones like he like their infinity stones from Thanos. Uh or SEC teams, I should say, excuse me. I'm interested to see how that one's gonna work out. But that did strike me as just, hey, this guy's got some pent-up frustration. He's got some tweets that he that he feels like are kind of either rattling around or lingering around his head and needed to say something right then and there. And the comment section was pretty funny as Kentucky fans coming to the aid, you had some Tennessee fans who were fighting back. You had some Tennessee fans who were saying, you know, Hey man, we still appreciate what you did over here. So it was just a, it was a big kind of stew of mixed reactions to that, to that tweet. So I definitely thought that that was, a, uh, that was a funny moment yesterday, but I don't know. It just kind of struck me as, hey, this guy's got some pent-up frustration and I uh, wanted <laughs> to use social media to get it out. I don't know if that's the best thing to do these days, but well, uh, let, that's what we me, get.
0: Let me read it for any listeners that didn't see it. It's not that long of a tweet, but he wrote, uh, really gave my all to Tennessee reading all these negative comments. Hurts, man, but not going to lie, played this past season with a torn MCL and was able to help my team win a bowl game. With a big smile on my face because I did love being a volunteer, but shit, yeah. <laughs> business is business. So, since we're not on radio, I can drop that, even though who knows what exactly that meant. But I mean, I think shit means know, shit,
1: means, Bob. I think it's safe yeah, to exactly. say. I think it's safe to say that.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> he's definitely uh, looking ahead. And um, yeah, you, you you know, we know our fan base, man. You know, that's going to get them riled. So, uh, I also think uh, that there's probably
1: good. like a, Thirty percent chance he actually makes it to the game. I mean, with playing either health wise or just head case wise, I don't think Tennessee fans are really worried about Mincy out there trying to block James Pierce. But it is an interesting thing yeah. for him to try to try to kick the Hornets' nest, if you will. But yeah, I, watching him go at one of his former teammates and tell him to, to have over 60 yards in a game before he talks and calls him a princess. To me, that was the most interesting part <laughs> calling Caleb Webb princess and tell him to, to catch the ball. Oh God. That's awesome. So I guess he's going to burn um, yeah, it. out.
2: Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a lot of love lost. And that's just kind of the way that everything uh, transpired. Like what you're exactly talking about right there. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, but I I do find that one funny, and I do feel like plenty of people have that tweet bookmarked. And he's got to come back to Neyland Stadium next year. So that game on November second, it's not going to be played. Excuse me, in Lexington. It's going to be played right here in Knoxville. So he he's got to kind of come back to this environment, come back to this area, and uh, we'll see where things where things take off to. But put me on um,
1: record, he yeah. will delete his Twitter account at some point this season. Go ahead and go ahead and mark that down. Uh, I'll, I'll put that on the predictions board. He will delete his Twitter at some point. Talked about Alabama getting raided in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, I wish Tennessee. I wish our NIL Spire had had an extra like seven or eight million dollars to go down there and offer Caleb Downs. You know, the uh, the all world safety that's apparently leaving to go to either Georgia or Ohio State. So. Tennessee, not quite in that prestige level, but Alabama just uh, facing the harsh reality that, you know, they had the greatest coach of all time. I think they knew that in Nick Saban, but it's been funny to watch them be like, wait, why are all these players not wanting to play here anymore? Why are they treating us just like another program? Why do they need money? Why do they need this, this and this? Without realizing, oh, yeah, it's because they don't have the greatest college coach of all time coaching them, pretty much guaranteeing them a shot at the NFL <laughs> anymore. Right. Like It's one thing to be a, a freshman. It's one thing to be a sophomore in these recruiting classes and, and wait your time and sit for two years before you get your chance at Alabama when you know you're going to get to play for Nick Saban and when you know he's probably going to have you ready for the NFL. It's another thing to ask these guys to sit around or even just deal with a completely new coaching staff whenever anywhere in the country – would want them, right? Like if you're, a, if you're a good Alabama player and you go in the transfer portal at the very least, you're getting an offer from Tennessee, but like you're getting an offer yeah. from LSU, you're getting an offer from Texas, from Georgia, from all these teams that are just as good right now as Alabama. So yeah, like welcome to college football, watching the, the gnashing of the teeth and the whining that they've been doing has been a real welcome to, to college football moment <laughs> for me.
2: Yeah, John, I, I think you're spot on. You know, I, I think that, when you're looking at college football, for, for a lot of these players, it boils down to two things. You want to go in you want to win a championship maybe during your two to four years at a program. But more importantly, you're trying to get to the NFL. And I don't necessarily think it's the, the statement of Alabama has sent X number of players to the NFL and Alabama has had X number of players turn into superstars in the NFL. I think it's the fact that Nick Saban had these guys enter the NFL, Nick Saban turned these guys into superstars. And obviously there's a lot of assistant coaching going on at the same time, but I think that Nick Saban gets that rep first and foremost, more than just Alabama as a program. Now, obviously if Kalen DeBoard comes in and, you know, s- continues that sort of factory machine into the, uh, and to the National Football League, then sure that that makes sense as well. But I think in the meantime, it, it's it's the Nick Saban effect, and that's what you're seeing with all of this right now. I'd also
1: swap that order. You know, you said win a championship and go to the NFL. I think we you're looking at just in terms of priority, the caliber of athlete that the, you know Alabama has been recruiting, I would say the NFL is goal number one. Win a championship yeah. is goal number two.
2: Yeah, I, I I'd
1: I'd say you're spot and on. Right now, Kalen DeBoer, of course, does not have that. That track record uh, of putting guys in the NFL, especially, uh, you know, uh, at at a level good enough to get the trust. I'm sure there's, you know, there'll be a handful of these Washington guys make it to the league this year, but not yet. They haven't yet. Bob, you got anything else for Rick? Uh,
0: The only other thing I was going to mention, and it's it still sticks with this transfer portal and it speaks to a couple of guys who left the Tennessee program um, went to Ole Miss and then ended up in Louisville, um, you know, Tyler Baron, Jerry McDonald. Um, and what I'm hearing behind the scenes is, and, and I have to admit, I get a little bit of enjoyment out of this is for all the rating that Lane Kiffin was doing, um, at the end of the day, this whole NIL era that we're watching unfold, it's really, really, really about money. And, um, it sounds like Louisville, you know, it, it's funny. It's just a perfect example of these guys committed to Ole Miss and then started to talk, really talk about the money. And and then it wasn't quite what they imagined. They were like, hey, I might throw my, my hat in the ring somewhere else. And in and and a program like Louisville that is very, very committed to trying to get back and win, um, you know, Jeff Brum got him to a good place starting off in his first season. But they're, uh, they, have, they have strong backers, too, and they're spending more money, and, and I just found that just, it's just interesting commentary on where it is, because even when a player says, I'm coming to this school, that doesn't mean they're coming to that school yet. It is it is like an absolute open market in the purest sense of the word, and it was just kind of enjoyable for me to see Kiffin, um, who it felt like was stealing everybody's lunch money, all of a sudden he's losing some of that too, you know, and then losing a, a top flight running back like Jedkins too, to Ohio state was very, very telling.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. If you're Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss, you stole so many of the headlines. You you garnered them all up there in the beginning of the first few weeks of the transfer portal. And, and that was good. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's a lot of people heard that news and that's the last news that they're going to hear but at the end of the day, it's not really following through. I, I think this idea that Ole Miss is going to immediately project as as the second-best team in the SEC next year, only behind Georgia because of all these transfer portal pickups, I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. And also, you got to have those pieces come in and be cohesive, like what we were talking about with Dalton Connect and the basketball team earlier on. Uh, I, I do find it interesting for this situation that we're talking about how these three guys have have sort of stayed in touch, right? If you go back to that first day that that Wesley Walker committed to Louisville he tweeted a picture out of him and Tamari McDonald in these Louisville uniforms it was obviously an edited graphic but he tweeted that out before Tamari McDonald made his flip right he was obviously talking to him trying to recruit him over then later that day is when Tamari McDonald actually flips well Tamari McDonald starts talking to his old old Miss commit uh, fellow Ole Miss commit Tyler Barron. And eventually they get him to join the trio now uh, of Cardinals over at Louisville. So I think it is really fascinating how these guys have kind of stuck together, how these guys have been talking through the whole process, but then obviously how the money is affecting everything as well. And I think in this current age of college football, we know that that's going to be the driving force for a lot of these conversations. Uh, absolutely, the, the vast majority of all these conversations. So it's interesting that the Ole Miss money maybe ne- maybe didn't necessarily work out. It's interesting that maybe the Louisville did, but it's also interesting that the place where it did was able to capture three of Tennessee's starting defensive players from last year's team, uh, and that they're going to be going forward with with that. So I find all of this really fascinating. I find all of it really interesting. But again, it's sort of just kind of taking notes on this transfer portal and seeing what it's doing here in these early stages and seeing how crazy it gets because there's so much movement there's so much activity from different sort of regions or different kind of corners of the of the portal world and the college football world and seeing how all those connect so i I think this is a really interesting one
1: rick butler rocky top insider on the way out till you got winning the rumble
2: (laughs) oh man i have uh i have cm punk winning the rumble because i think that's the way that you get him to work the least uh on the way to the big show so i have punk but they've got me in it it might be the dirt sheets but they've got me in a pretty good position of I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know if it's going to be The Rock.
1: Bob, you have a you have a guess on who's going to win the Rumble?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And my question from back at the beginning of this interview, John, was where you said, I'm going to go. What did you, you say? Some wrestling. My ch-
2: it's going to oh, no, smack down.
0: No, honor my chief. Was the oh yeah 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 <laughs> acknowledge my tribal chief yeah exactly
1: that's what I'm gonna do yeah,
0: and, and who would that be uh, uh Roman reigns
1: and, and Nico Iamaliopi. Yeah, depends on which one you're asking about my when I reference my tribal chief henceforth uh Bob will be talking about Nico who comes from the uh you know the same polynesian family but for now uh tonight it's Roman reigns I got gotcha. you.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Noted. Noted.
2: Rick,
1: appreciate you, brother. John,
2: you would you would work as you would work as Nico's wise man if you can maybe follow him to the NFL and being <laughs> get an agent sort of status. You, you could be Nico's wise I, man. I see it happening. I could grow my hair out to look like Paul Heyman. I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could even color it gray when it in times of stress. But I think that'd be a role made for you, and you could just. You know, follow that success through the NFL. Like, I think that'd be a good um, one. There are
1: like five people listening to us that know what the hell we're talking about. So
0: I was going to say, what, yeah, but are we, the,
1: what the, the people love doing, it,
0: man.
2: but they love it.
1: All right, Rick.
0: Hey, Rick, thanks, buddy. See you. Rocky
1: Top. Thanks, off. guys. Rocky really top. appreciate um, you. Give Rick a follow. You obviously know what his, his handle is as he's right here in the spaces. Appreciate you, brother.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, have a good one. Good morning. Thanks, brother. Have good morning. All right.
1: A lot of Tennessee talk. Mix in some Alabama stuff. Anything else we need to get to?
0: Well, maybe take a minute or two and talk. Um, we, you know, we we fully intend to be back in studio on Monday, so we'll have a lot to cover then. But uh, we got we got big NFL playoff games this weekend. Uh, yeah, big. I
1: appreciate everyone for being patient, at least with us. And it does make us look bad whenever the other shows were all able to get to the studio, but it's a different ball game at like six o'clock in the morning. It's just. I'm glad the other shows have been able to get in and work, but I just didn't feel good about going in there or asking Sam to come in there with it being so icy. It, first thing in the morning, you never really know. So I appreciate everyone for being patient. Uh, the last couple of days we had to deal with some some Twitter spaces issue. but yeah, hopefully we'll be we'll be back on Monday and just kind of back in full swings. Bob, I think you said you've got Josh Dobbs coming on Monday to talk about NFL playoffs with us and such.
0: Yep, we do. We're excited to have Josh. He was going to be on board today if we were in studio, but we want to, you know, do that segment the best way possible, and the best way to do that will be in studio. And uh, yeah, Josh has uh, been kind enough to uh, plan on joining us on Monday, so we're looking forward to that. Cool. So
1: yeah, we'll we'll do that Monday. We'll. Recap Tennessee, Alabama, NFL playoffs, and all that. But yeah, I appreciate everybody for being patient. A lot, a lot of people don't like having their routine messed with, and you know that includes you know, their their content they listen to. I guess, which both good and bad. We had only been on for a week, so it wasn't like people had gotten in too big of a groove yet, and they kind of understood the weather. I only got like three hateful messages from people. Typically, it'd be much more for not working, but I appreciate only getting three hateful messages. All right, the best football weekend of the year is here. I think it is the divisional round of of the playoffs. I will say this year I found myself not being as intrigued with these games as, you know, on Saturday you got two pretty big favorites, the one seeds, the Ravens, 10-point favorites, the 49ers, 10-point favorites. Both look like they're going up against overmatched young quarterbacks who are impressive in week one of the playoffs that probably crash back down to earth in week two do you see either one seed being in a struggle do you see either one seed losing uh tomorrow
0: i don't i i'm with you i think the saturday games are far less interesting to me than the the sunday games um I, i mean i'd be all in if we if we get uh, surprise tomorrow by either Houston or green Bay, but it feels to me like chalk's going to definitely rule the roost tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way about Sunday in terms of
0: the, the lions. I,
1: I don't see Baker Mayfield going into Detroit and winning, although, you know, with, with Mike Evans, you know, maybe you get to all pro Mike Evans, hall of famer Mike Evans on Sunday after he kind of laid an egg last week against the, uh, Against the Eagles, he didn't really do much, so maybe he's due for a 150-yard, two-touchdown game. But I guess the main event is the Bills and Chiefs, although as far as I'm concerned, I don't find either of those teams to be very interesting this year. The Chiefs have been a shell of themselves, and Buffalo's been, been hot, but I'm still not ready to buy into Josh Allen. The only interesting wrinkle for me, Bob, is that it's at Buffalo this time and not Kansas City.
0: Yeah, that that should be uh, an interesting one. You know, that it's just the marquee quarterbacks, even though this year has been a different kind of story, particularly for Mahomes. But um, these guys obviously have a history over the past few years of meeting head to head and, you know, classic games, all those types of things. So we can hold out hope for that. But it does feel like a different kind of game um the buffalo weather i haven't looked in the last couple of days since i've been so preoccupied with the crappy weather here but last i had looked it was just it was going to be cold there but i don't think they were uh they've had some snow but it's not the type of snow that they experienced heading into that pittsburgh game if my uh, memory serves so um that shouldn't be as much of a factor i again and it, it, what it boils down to me the game i'm most interested in out of all of these is tampa bay detroit and it's mainly because Detroit has kind of become my de facto favorite team remaining in the in the playoff hunt. Um, I, I would love to see them uh, win and uh, likely go to San Francisco. Um, but my goodness, if somehow Green Bay beats San Francisco, Detroit wins, it will be a NFC North battle in Detroit to see who goes to the Super Bowl. Highly unlikely that happens, but. Never thought I'd be saying that that's a possibility at this time of the year. I think
1: if that was the case, I would be braced for Jordan Love to go in there and throw for 400 yards and break Detroit's heart. So uh, Detroit, I think they win on Sunday, and then I think they lose in San Francisco, and they kind of max out at that conference championship level. But for them, that's a uh, pretty big win. So they've been fun to watch. They've been fun to root for. As far as the weather in Kansas City and Buffalo, I mean both those teams – used to it being really cold in January. And I I know this is the first time Mahomes has had to go on the road in the playoffs. I don't think the weather, I don't think the crowd noise is really going to be a big factor for him. I I do think the bills win, but I think it's more so because nobody on the chiefs is going to be able to get open except probably Travis Kelsey. And I even know if he can get, I don't even know if he can get open anymore, but I do think he has one big game left in him. So If you told me that he had like 130 yards and two touchdowns and the Chiefs won, I wouldn't be shocked. And if you told me that the, you know, Josh Allen has a couple turnovers and loses the game, I wouldn't be shocked. But I do think we're headed for Baltimore-Buffalo on uh, next week for the conference championship.
0: I would agree with that. Um yeah, and, and again, I you know I still think we're kind of on a collision course too for probably a you know the, the again a chalk Super Bowl with Baltimore and and San Francisco. Um, but we'll see. We do we still got a few games to to go there. But um, if
1: there is going to be one so, upset this weekend, I would probably say the most likely is going to be Tampa Bay. I could see them beating Detroit.
0: Yeah, totally breaking those Lions fans' hearts in Detroit. I I, I hope it doesn't happen, but I would. I would agree with you that's that does feel like it's possible
1: um <laughs> yeah on the coaching front uh, we got what we got Belichick getting a second interview with Atlanta looks like they are just kind of working on the details there in terms of how much control he's going to have in the organization uh him, him getting a staff ready they said he's basically just going to bring his friends from Las Vegas and New England over I guess that means Josh McDaniels and and whatever coaches are left in New England that want to play, uh, coach with him. The the Titans are just kind of going the coordinator route. Uh, Mike Vrabel interviews with the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh interview with the Chargers. Any of those particularly interesting to you? Uh,
0: no, I mean, feels like it's at least uh, you know Chargers and and the Falcons are kind of going to script in terms of you know looking at the big names, the one that, uh, the thing that surprised me the most, I think I even said it, I think we were all feeling this way, the fact that Mike McCarthy is staying has uh, been blowing my mind. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was so gone after that playoff. Well, very surprised. It, it,
1: you're not wrong, but then I stopped it considered that Jerry Jones kept Jason Garrett for nine and a half years. And, and Jerry yeah, Jones true. does just like having coaches that, fall in line and Mike McCarthy has won a lot of games there in the regular season. And he also kind of falls in line and lets Jerry do his own thing. If Jerry was going to go out and get a superstar coach like, like Belichick, or, you know, I know some people link them to Mike Vrabel he would have to give up some control and he wouldn't get as much credit. And there'd be a little bit of a, you know, they'd be combative towards each other potentially. So I'm not shocked that Jerry's just not going to rock the boat. I do think it's kind of wild. That they're going to just going to run it back another year older with both Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. So obviously it's harder to find a a quarterback than it is a coach. But the fact that duo is going to be back is just kind of crazy to me. We'll see what happens in Philadelphia. The latest update there was that yeah. Sirianni was having to make calls around the league, trying to get a new staff together and to prove to his owner that he could get a new staff together, which doesn't seem like a good sign. And to me makes me think that he could still get fired.
0: I would agree. I was actually going to mention the same that, you know, at least from a uh, external facing press perspective, it's been remarkably quiet in Philadelphia, but there's some of the things going on behind the scenes, like you mentioned, John. And look, if I'm Philadelphia, there's just in terms of uh, a robust candidate market, if you think about Belichick and Vrabel and uh, Harbaugh, I, you know, if you have any sort of dissatisfaction with your head coach right now, why wouldn't you think about it? Particularly someplace like Philadelphia, that's done it before. So, um, and that would, to me, if I'm one of those big names, that's an attractive job from the, from a personnel perspective. I mean, they're, they're not in as bad a shape as some of these other teams. And, uh, Yeah, I would say if I'm uh, Nick Sirianni, that's got to be uh, a bit of a nervous-making situation at the moment. Yeah, we'll see
1: if he's able to get any commitments. I don't know what type of friends he has in the league. I don't know what type of respect he has in the league. You talked about Nate Oates to bring it full circle. Nick Sirianni's got a lot of Nate Oates in him when you look at (laughs) that uh, video of him leaving Kansas City yelling at their fans. And that 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 looks a lot like NATO's doing that to Will Wade and, and yelling at him to get the bleep off his court. So I don't know how many friends he's got in the league. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Um, but last thing, as far as NFL candidates, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. The name I started seeing a lot of for the Titans was Aaron Glenn. I mean, how would you feel about that if he ended up being the guy by chance? I
1: mean, he's the defensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions. I haven't watched Detroit this year ever and thought, wow, that defense is good. But that doesn't mean anything when it comes to head coaching. I mean, Mike Vrabel, he coached a bad defense in Houston before he got the job in Tennessee. And I would say that Mike Vrabel was a pretty good coach for Tennessee. So I don't know. I don't know if if Aaron Glenn's any good. I don't know, know what type of organization he runs. If you bring some of Dan Campbell's energy, you know, that's a, that's a positive, but there's only one Dan Campbell. That's why I don't really have, that's why I don't really keep up with it too much. Cause it's hard to have a, a definitive opinion on an unproven coach getting hired, right? Like it's hard to have an opinion on these coordinators. I don't even know if there's a correlation between coaching a good unit and being a good head coach. Like, I don't know if there's a, if you look at someone like Ben Johnson in Detroit, who calls really cool plays, like he's good at getting guys open, but he also, you know, has a great offensive line. He has weapons. He has these things. And just because you can call cool plays doesn't mean you can be a head coach either. So I'll, I'll reserve my judgment until after like the first three games or so. Yeah. It won't, it won't, hey, it won't be a sexy on. hire. I mean, it, it, it will make people mad if they hire Detroit's defensive coordinator after firing Mike yeah. Vrabel, which – there's not really going to be a popular answer outside of, you know, either Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick that will get the fans excited, but that's just because people like offense more than defense. Maybe
0: maybe Aaron's a better collaborator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, Hey, one other thing I was going to mention about the NFL is uh, this is about TV ratings and the, the numbers came out. This isn't about the Peacock stream. This is more about just TV ratings in general. Um, out of the top 100 rated shows you know, on television, and this is in every genre, this is sports, this is scripted TV. Let me guess, news, let me guess, let me guess. Out of
1: the top 100 rated things, I would say 93 of them are NFL. I
0: mean, you must have read the same article. No, right? I didn't, but I, I, a- I've read
1: this in the past, and it's always like... it's, it's- a.
0: It's exactly ninety-three, yeah. and I mean some of that's attributable. I'm sure you know there was a writer's strike and you know all these other things. Sure, but that number might have been inflated by a couple of of slots, not not you know double or anything. I mean, it just speaks to the power. The NFL is like, NFL is like the freaking mafia. There is just uh, there's no beating the NFL. It's it's incredible, and uh, uh, and it and it speaks to long term, you know. Strategies for all these entities that do live sports. The rights fees are just going to continue to climb. Doesn't matter. It, it's so valuable. Um, everybody's going to want a piece of that. It's just going to continue. Yeah, no,
1: I, I did. I didn't read that article, but every year I keep up with that list because it fascinates me. And there'll always be like one Oprah interview, like two college football games that make it, and there'll be like some type of uh, po- political thing that ends up on the list. But it's always just NFL, NFL, NFL they are king which amazon who has you know been in the nfl game at least on thursday nights speaking of tv streaming they they acquired i guess what used to be fox sports southeast or fox sports the fox sports channels that then became the Bali sports it looks like amazon picked up i think what the 37 of those that were kind of in limbo
0: yeah, it's, uh, Diamond Sports was the the parent company, right. and um, th- that is a very, very interesting development. There, it won't be called Valley; it'll be renamed. But the but but the fact is, uh, again, you talk about a game changer. This is a great example of a flex move by a big tech company that is saying we want to become a, a TV destination for all TV. Doesn't matter what it is, and again you know for the traditional linear cable and satellite distributors i used the term nervous making earlier when we talked about siriani this fits for this too i mean this this industry is changing dramatically like in minutes it just keeps changing and that's a, that's a big big play by amazon very impressive
1: so that means amazon just have it on amazon prime right like you can pretty much you want to go watch your Atlanta Hawks, you're going to go watch them, your Atlanta Braves, you're going to be watching them on Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, think about how many viewers are motivated by that when they go to watch live TV. That's like, you know, uh, I'm a YouTube TV customer and it's driven me nuts. They That's the one thing they haven't had is the RSNs. And, um, you know, it, for, for a lot of super fans, for some of these teams to be able to say, I want to go to the place to find, you know, that team uh they're going to be able to do it and then there's all sorts of other tv programming too and it it puts a you know like a an operator like a comcast in a position of like you, you don't have the, the stranglehold you used to have it just doesn't exist anymore all right
1: that's all i got for tonight or for the scoring i should say excuse me uh keep an eye on zalant's herd it was kind of reported that uh, what what you've all been wanting to hear is that, yeah, he's still coming to Tennessee. You saw 247 kind of put out that update yesterday. It's like, hey, it's fully expected he's going to end up at Tennessee, which doesn't really change anything because, you know, it's not an official announcement from him, but it's still like, hey, just because it's been quiet doesn't mean it's bad news. So keep an eye on him. Uh, I saw the last update on George McIntyre, five-star Tennessee quarterback is that he is still expected to, Pick Tennessee next week. So you should have some good recruiting news coming up soon. Got a jam packed NFL weekend. Got a, it, it's not a top 10 matchup in the AP poll, but it's a top 10 matchup in terms of net rating and, and Kempom rating this weekend in Knoxville as Tennessee Alabama is a top 10 matchup. It might not say it on the number. The, the, the people in media, the journalists in the AP poll, they might not have voted Alabama top 10, but they're a top 10 basketball team. So enjoy your weekend. We appreciate our sponsors. Thanks for uh, being patient this week with the snow. Drink White Claw Hard Seltzer, Knoxville Smiles. Keep that in mind if you are thinking of a dentist appointment and getting your teeth checked up on. They offer a wide selection Pretty much everything you need in your mouth. Knoxville Smiles will doing for you. It's right here in West Knoxville where I am standing and looking outside at a little dusting of snow. And Inward Half Golf, we appreciate them. InwardHalf.com. If you want to buy some, get your get your golf gear ready for when it does heat up. They got some nice hoodies and comfortable hoodies as well. It is a a fashion. It's a fashion-forward, performance-driven product. Uh, nice golf shirts if you want to uh start gearing up for that inward com. bob anything else you want to say
0: no just uh thanks to everyone for bearing with us uh you know we had a i think a really uh strong first week and we were so excited to come into the second week and then mother nature just punched us in the gut so uh we're looking forward to getting back on monday we got a, we'll have a lot to talk about like we mentioned earlier joshua dobbs will be joining us on monday too so uh more to come on that but uh just appreciate it we're looking forward to uh kind of our asterisk uh week two next week uh to get back in the studio uh with john and i and sam so uh keep keep it locked in with us we're looking forward to. what's yet to come i would
1: imagine that the other shows are in studio today so 10 10 a.m jake miller and and brett and marcus uh, i would imagine are going to give you some content as well so stay stay uh locked in and uh listen to them bob appreciate it brother have a good weekend
0: you too man be safe going to
1: Atlanta. Yep. see you bob see y'all